Lead Generation Strategies for B2B Tech Companies, a podcast by Brightvision. Here, you will learn how to generate great leads from the most experienced B2B sales and marketing people. Your host today, and always, is Jakob Levenbrand, CEO at Brightvision. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the B2B Lead Gen podcast for tech companies. My name is Jacob Lovenbrand. I'm the managing director of Bright Vision as well as host of this podcast. And today we're going to talk about global B2B messaging and the human truth in global B2B campaigns. And we're going to talk about that with an expert in this area, none less than Tony Riley, who's president of the integrated B2B marketing agency, MX Group. And with that, I'm uh, really happy to have you on the podcast, Tony. Hey, I'm happy to be here, Jacob. Thank you for, uh, for inviting me to participate in with you. Well, awesome. Uh, the pleasure is all on my side. And I'm so interested to, to discuss these kind of things with you today. But maybe we should just start off with uh, giving everybody a short background on who you are and what you're up to these days. Absolutely. So uh, my name is Tony Riley, and I'm the president uh, of the MX Group. Um, the MX Group is a B2B agency that specializes in delivering end-to-end experiences uh, in the B2B space. And we're one of the uh, largest B2B agencies in the United States. We're also one of the fastest growing. And so uh, I'm very busy these days, which I like to, um, you know, as we were catching up on, it's a great time to be in B2B. Uh, and my role really is to ensure that we have the right talent, skills, and partnerships to deliver great impact for our clients, uh, whether that's locally or globally. And so I try to get resources lined up to make sure that we can do very good work and that the team feels like they have the opportunities to uh, do something that really can impact a business. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, as we said before, you're uh, having busy days as an agency. So one of the reasons why you do that is that you're really good at driving client work and campaigns and so forth. And we're going to dive into that a little bit here today, some factors on that. And one of the things I know you're passionate about is, is, to, <clears throat> is to reaching out on a broad cross-cultural global market with global campaigns and how to do that in an efficient way that actually, you know, actually moves the needle from a sales perspective and, and uh, gives the clients great return on investment. So maybe we should start there a little bit. What do you think are some of the key factors for, for doing this successfully from your perspective? Yeah, I think it's a great question, Jacob. And, you know, um, uh, I think if you asked to several different people in the space, they'd probably, you know, maybe give you different shades of the same answer. And so I don't pretend to have uh, the, the silver bullet, if you will, but I can tell you just based on our experience, I think it starts with um, market intelligence. You know, this is a step that I feel like is often either either overlooked or undervalued by marketers. It's easy to want to step past that or assume that we already know about our audience. You know, that's a uh, one that we I think often do here. Like we already know who our buyers are and what they care about. Um, and I think it really does start with market market intelligence. Even if you know who your customer is. There's always things that are evolving in your category. Your competitors are evolving. 
are evolving. And then also you have to take a really good look uh, culturally at what's happening across the markets you're executing in. And so, um, you know, if our clients know what their, who their customer is, that's great. Then we try to look at some intelligence around the category, the competitors, um, or culturally. I also think that when you're looking at market intelligence specifically, it's easy to focus on the end user. Um, and I think that's obviously a very valid input, but if you're a client uh, or a marketer that works with a distribution channel, we often are really um, guiding our clients to say, well, it's important that we look at our distributors and our end users, because if your distributors are multi-line and they're selling different products into that space, you have a sale into that distributor. So then you can also sell to that end user. And so um, I think it really starts with market intelligence. Uh, and one thing I would say, Jacob, I don't know if, if you've experienced this, but you know, when marketers are trying to justify the expense of going to get market intelligence that they can look at broadly and try to identify what we call a, a, a human truth, you know, they get a little bit of pushback because they call it, it takes time and it takes investment and resources. And what we do is we say, hey, there's other uses of that information outside of just the human truth that we need for this campaign. So what does that look like maybe? Um, you know, if you're a global marketer operating um, globally, bring your sales partner along for the ride and find out what insights would be valuable for them to also get out of the study. So then you might come out of that study and be able to look at it globally, but then slice it up regionally and provide regional insights to your teams in Asia, the Nordic region, the U.S., so that you can not only look at what's consistent across the globe, but really understand what's different within the regions you operate in. And I find that sometimes that can then get your sales partners at the table. Not only do they have buy-in on the output, but they also um, you know, can see the value beyond just the input into the campaign itself, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. So interesting. So maybe we can just talk a little bit about that. So you refer to the human truth there in, in uh, messaging. So can you just define that a little bit? What exactly, if you elaborate a little bit more on what do you define and how do you explain what human truth is? That's a great question because I think that often it can go to uh, people thinking that it's something very unique that they found, right? Like we found this thing that nobody else knew about and it's actually not that. Um, I think that human truths uh, are more like basic human needs, uh, like for food and shelter. Um, they're, uh, what's, what's important is not that you find a truth that is unique and uh, to your business. It's the execution of that truth that should be unique to your business. Human truths themselves um, just need to be applicable to your business and something that you can hold up to credibly. So um, as an example, we recently uh, ran a global campaign for uh, a, a client of ours, and the human truth was really around the idea that people want to look good in the decisions they make at work. That is not unique to that client. That's not unique to any five clients. Um, what was important is it was applicable to their stage within the market, and they could actually deliver against that credibly. And so, you know, a human truth is something that um, that you find that I think is easy to explain. It's something that makes sense with the people that you are trying to sell to. Uh, and it's something that you can then say, OK, well, if this is the truth and what we're trying to do um, in, our, in our marketing work 
then you can look at executions at a campaign or a creative level that make that ownable to your business. Uh, but I often find that people try to dig so deep because they want to find something unique to them that then they're disappointed at the end of it, or they find something that really isn't a truth. It's really an insight that might be only applicable to one area of the market. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, very interesting. And uh, I suppose it's when you work with global campaigns, what's the hardest thing? Is it to find a human truth or a messaging that is applicable over different cultural aspects of a market? Or is it more, uh, you know, what's the hardest thing to find something that is, that is actually working? Is it the copywriter who works on this? Or is it the product management? Or who's, who's developing the human truth for the specific campaigns, let's say? Yeah, you know, another good question. I think that, I think the hardest part is once you, actually I would answer, maybe there's two, there's two areas that I think are difficulty. So you find a human truth and, and if it's the right type of truth, I think that um, that's not as difficult to uncover. If you've structured your research well, I think that the human truth will show itself and it's something that could often be overlooked because you think, well, that's not really deep or detailed. And, but I think it's, it's finding that truth. And I think then the difficult parts are um, one, making sure that you then execute a campaign that represents or delivers against that truth. Um, and then I think that understanding how to make that culturally relevant across the markets that you're operating in is really where the difficulty lies. And that's where, to, to answer your question, Jacob, it transitions out of your strategy and insights team into your um, your creative uh, and your you know channel planning teams that are going to take that truth forward. Um, I'd probably say that it's even become more difficult recently uh, post pandemic to make things culturally applicable. And the reason why I say that is, you know, we were we were all different um, different culturally before the pandemic, right? We were just talking about my last visit. Uh, to Gothenburg, and I and I got to experience a whole different culture than I uh, than I do here at home. We were different in that way before, but then when the pandemic happened, and you started looking at how that impacted companies differently, and then you roll that up to how that impacted uh, you know uh, cult, um, you know communities differently, and then our countries differently, and I think that that's really exacerbated that um, that difference culturally. And so I think that's where really the rubber hits the road is you get that human truth, you figure out how to get a campaign created, but early, early in the process, before you really execute the, you know, all of the written word and you get copywriters writing, you need to check that uh, campaign idea to make sure it's culturally relevant. And that's where I think it can become very difficult today because what's going on culturally is very, very different, even inside of probably what's happening in the Nordic region. I mean, you could speak to that, Jacob, but I'm sure that, you know, right now there's differences across Denmark, Sweden, and Norway that maybe weren't differences before. And I see the same thing across Illinois and Nebraska and California and Texas here with even, even in the United States. Yeah, interesting. And, and uh, a follow-up question on that, the post-COVID area, which I definitely agree on. Uh, uh, I think you're onto something interesting here is do you feel that companies are you know more feeling more anxiety around finding human truth and messaging that are global 
from the perspective that you know <laughs> that we have had a lot of topics over the last two three years that have been globally impactful uh, on how we relate to you know cultures minorities etc do you think it's harder today to find a, a human truth than it was like five years ago absolutely i i, I do think so um i do think so uh it is harder to it's harder to find it just because of um I think it's harder to find it today than it ever has been. I think it's still achievable. And I think that what you have to do in order to practically uh, be able to demonstrate uh, human truth and really deliver against that is uh, looking at your markets and prioritizing accordingly. It might be that if you're a market or a marketer that is really operating all across the globe, it's going to be hard to find something that is applicable in every sense of the word across every one of those regions without watering down the ideas. Uh, and so what I think is important where I've seen marketers succeed is looking at their markets, trying to get insights across those markets, but also saying, you know, here's where we have the highest priority uh, for our business. And so if we have to really hone in and look for something that's applicable and then make it culturally relevant, this is where we're going to invest the time and resources because there's only so much time in the day. Uh, and if you're trying to operate across every country in the globe and make something culturally relevant, it's going to be very difficult to do uh, today. So I, I advise marketers to still go down that route. Know it's difficult, but also know that you might have to prioritize and pick out a subset that's going to have the most impact on your business. Yeah, interesting. Uh, if we go down to the operations, when, when you, what are your take on how to run a global campaign from a client slash agency perspective? I know you have different setups where you, uh, to some extent, also work with local agencies. If you, you know, take lead on a global campaign and need all the local cultural uh, adaptations and things like that. How, how do you typically recommend to set up a campaign for a global client? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and so I think that, uh, I think it starts with first that market intelligence um, and research and understanding, you know, only not only what's applicable across countries, but what's different within countries. That, that, that's where I, I tend to start. Um, and, you know, I was recently reminded of this actually about how different that can be. Uh, I was running a campaign for a client and they are a proudly Canadian brand. And, you know, in the United States, in certain states within the United States, we are proudly American and we want products that are made in America. That's very different than um, how products are received in Asia, where there is more of a receptivity um, to products that are imported. Right. So I really do think that that market intelligence, understanding what is at the uh, the top level. Um, universally applicable and then what's different within the region so that you can operate accordingly. The second thing is I think that um, marketers often overlook talking to their sales teams and making sure that they get that very, very valuable source of information, the boots on the ground view of the world, and they take that into consideration as they're thinking about their messaging, the way that they're delivering that messaging, the way that they're even structuring their intelligence. And then the third um, is really developing trusted partnerships with agency teams in the regions you operate in. And I could, we could spend an hour uh, alone on what I mean by trusted partnerships with agencies. 
I'm gonna have to tell you as a, as a managing director of a great B2B agency that there's a difference in the types of partnerships you have. But I think that um, uh, I think that it's important to have those so that when you are reaching out to specific audiences within those regions, you can benefit from those insights. I mean, you know, if I was going to do a campaign for a client um, anywhere in Sweden and it was a tech uh, client, I would probably be hard pressed to find anybody that has as much experience in that market with those types of technologies as I would with people like you. Uh, and I think clients often overlook how much of a benefit it is to have like a two-way dialogue with their agencies. So again, as the summary is, I think it starts with market intelligence, knowing what's global, what's regional, uh, getting your sales teams involved in the regions you're operating in to get them bought in and then also to benefit from their um, from their uh, input or their knowledge. And then the third thing is, is having trusted partnerships in your priority markets with agencies that know your verticals and your products, that you can benefit from the knowledge of those agencies and not just the execution from those agencies. I think it's a two-way street there. Yeah, so interesting. Do you have any example where you have uh, successfully executed a global campaign and give us some insights from that? You know, I was thinking about um, if this question if this question came up, and it's so hard to point to uh, a specific campaign. I mean, I, I spoke recently about a campaign for Holly Frontier that we did, um, but I, I would I guess I would say I feel a little bit biased because then I started searching for great campaigns. I love the campaigns where I I know where the truth started, and I know how much passion and love was put into the work. And so I thought maybe what I what I would say if this question came up was um, I'd rather kind of give you what I think are the marks of what our successful campaign are. Because as I found myself looking at recent work, I thought, well, there's a common way that I'm evaluating these. First is, did it create impact on a client's business? I think oftentimes uh, agencies can get caught up in the awards and the accolades that they get for the work. We're here to make material impact on a client's business, drive results. And I think that's job one and how a great campaign should be looked at one. Two is, was it able to be adapted regionally with the appropriate message and the imagery and the media plan in a really effective way? Um, you know, I looked at a campaign recently from Slack uh, and I thought that they did a great job visually because as I looked at it, I thought, how easy it would be to adapt that campaign regionally without having to change so much of the visuals to make it to where it was culturally applicable. And so I think that the ability to adapt it efficiently and effectively is, is two. Um, three is do your regional teams want more of it? I mean, to me, the mark of a great campaign is when you have regional marketers, regional salespeople saying, let's keep this going, let's extend it, let's do more of this work. Uh, and I think that that's something that is, um, that's, you know, makes, makes it aware that you did the campaign the right way. And then the, the last and final one, Jacob, for me is, um, does the actual campaign spark ideas within your client or within your teams that allow them to live the idea outside of the ad? I, I often say, don't add like the company you want to be 
act like the company you want to be. And when I see that a campaign starts off as an ad, but then how it's being activated in a region might be the way that that company is showing up to events or the sponsorships that they do, or the, the way that they think about service in their community and giving that to me says that the idea was bigger than just the ad. It's allowed people to understand how they can act like that brand or act against that idea. And that's where the real power comes in because then, you know, you and I are the best representation of the brands of our business. And that goes on with the marketers and salespeople, the clients we, pre we present. We can talk about the businesses all day, but if they don't show up that way and act that way, um, you know, I don't think people are going to believe it. That was so interesting to hear. And I totally agree <laughs> on, uh, on the last thing. Maybe I should put that out on a, on a tweet so I can retweet that, you know, don't add <laughs> acts, uh, you know. And uh, I think it was Sappos, uh, former CEO, Tony Shea or something like that, who unfortunately yeah, yeah. passed last year. Yeah, but he said that, you know, branding is, is the flip coin of culture inside uh, and I, I suppose that's a little bit of what you're um, trying to describe with that very good uh, punchline there as well. So totally agree. And that's so, uh, so true. Jacob, so can, interesting. Can I, make, can I make a quick comment on that? Because you just, I, I just, it's weird that you said that because um, that couldn't be a better example. Tony Heish, who was the CEO and found, uh, of, of um, Zappos, who passed last year, their, their brand was all about um, customer care, right? That's where they started is caring, really being ones that picked up the phone and had the best customer experience you could manage, right? And they truly acted on that. And I'll tell you a very quick story. About 15 years ago, I was at a, um, an ad age event in New York and I was completely by myself. And I was up there, it was with a different agency at the time and I didn't have any colleagues there with me. And I remember I was standing in the lunch line and I was looking around for a place to sit, you know, trying to find maybe somebody that would invite me in. And I saw a stranger wave his hand and I looked around thinking, oh, he's not waving at me. And then I realized he was and he invited me over. We had a beautiful lunch together and he was one of the kindest people I ever met. And towards the end of the lunch, somebody came up to him and said, excuse me, Tony, um, you're speaking next. And so we need you to go ahead and get mic'd up for the event. I found out later that that was Tony Heisch, the CEO of Zappos. And, and what I say about that is he lived, he acted like he wanted his company to behave. He acted in that same way himself. Uh, and, and so I had a direct learning experience from that example that you just brought up there. Oh, wow. That's so cool. Awesome. The, <laughs> that's a unique experience you got there. So uh, fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic guy. Uh, I wished I met him as well. So uh, awesome. That was a really good ending to our podcast interview here. Thank you so much for uh, sharing so uh, freely about, you know, human truth and global campaigns. And last but not least, you know, if, if our listeners want to know more about you or the MX group, where can they find you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can find us at themxgroup.com um, or on LinkedIn at the MX Group. So we would love to hear from you guys. And if you're ever looking for anything in the United States or globally or any want to just have a conversation about global messaging, feel free to reach out. And Jacob, thank you so much for having me on this podcast. I really appreciate you reaching out and, um, and being able to discuss something that we're both passionate about.
Well, thank you so much, Tony. And I wish you all the best with MX Group and your all endeavors you have in the future. Thank you. Fantastic. Thank you for listening to Lead Generation Strategies for B2B tech companies. Don't forget to subscribe. You will find it where podcasts live. Discover how we can help you with your lead generation activities at brightvision.com.